Recorded live. Sunday night Bible study. Appreciate you guys having patience and being there with us through all the technical difficulties and and having to get Brother Chad to call in to read it. So I appreciate your patience and and hanging with us. So tonight we'll be in John chapter eighteen and um, previously laying seventeen. We went over a lot of stuff the other night. I made mention about how it's broken up into three different sections how the Lord talks to God the Father to start with, then he talks to the disciples, and then in the latter part, he talks to you and I today. And I didn't make a, probably enough comments on that, but we will cover it again in, in some different areas, especially when we get to the book of Revelation. But anyway, before we get started, to break Brother Chad in, he, uh, he probably knows I'm going to do this anyway, I wish you, Brother Chad, if you would, open us in a word of prayer, brother. Sure thing. Heavenly Father, we come for you. We come before you on this day in assembly in the name of your word, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. You said where there would be two or three of us, you you would you would be in our midst. In your name. Uh we send our prayers out to all those in the chat room that their needs may be met and that those that may listen afterwards on the download that they may feel the Holy Spirit. And we pray that Brother Don uh, speak, the, speak, speak your will, Lord. That the that the truth that we need to hear come come from him, from from Him through Your Word. And in all all these things, we pray for all good things in Your name, Lord. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, Amen. 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 That folks, listen. Y'all, some of y'all may wonder why I do things like that. That's because that's the way I was broke in. Uh, that and uh, Doctor Upman, he would. He would out of the wild blue. He would, would there would be somebody come in new or something. That's the first thing he would do, get them <laughs> open in prayer. You know, and and then I, I do the same kind of stuff. No malice intended whatsoever. Nothing but blessing, and it was a blessing to hear you pray, brother. And I, I appreciate it very much. Okay, John chapter eighteen. <clears throat> you can go ahead and start, brother, and just. Just get used to right off the bat me breaking in on you, okay? <laughs> I've heard it enough. Okay, you, so. that's right. You you have heard it enough. I'm sure you have, brother. So go right ahead and start. John chapter 18, verse 1. When Jesus had spoken these words, he went forth with his disciples over the brook Cedron. 
where was a garden, into which he entered, and his disciples. Okay. This is, we're fixing to get the garden experience. It's mentioned in some of the other Gospels. It's mentioned in Luke. And we're going to um, see some of the things that takes place. There's a lot of things that happen that's coming up here. And um, it raises a lot of questions in some areas. And we're going to deal with them when we get to them, especially with Peter pulling his sword and um, what the Lord says there. Judas being there, some of this, in, in this, um, in John here, in John 18, there's one thing that's mentioned here that's not mentioned in the rest of the Gospels, and I'll bring that out as well. So continue on, brother. 18, verse 2. And Judas also, which betrayed him, knew the place. For Jesus oft times resorted thither with his disciples. Judas then having received a band of men and officers from the chief priests and Pharisees, cometh thither with lanterns and torches and weapons. Jesus, therefore, knowing all things that should come upon him, went forth and said unto them, Whom ye seek? They answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus saith unto them, I am he. Okay, stop right there. Now here they ask, we're looking for Jesus of Nazareth. And these simple words he says, I am he. And let's see what happens. Go ahead, brother. Okay. Um, pardon me, I, was, I wrote a note. And Jesus also, which betrayed, oh, and Judas also, which betrayed him, stood with them. And... Soon then, as he had said unto them, I am he, they went backward and fell to the ground. Wow. That I am, coming from the I am, from the essence of God manifest in the flesh, the force of those words drove those people back on their backsides. That's wild. That's a wild thing, if you stop and think about it. All he did was said, I am he. And they go flying backwards like a big wind hit them or something. That's the power of words. And I could stop here and go off into all kind of esoteric stuff about the power of words of which I thoroughly believe in because in the beginning was the Word. And the Word was God and the Word was with God. And the Word was God. And just the little w words, there's no doubt in my mind that there's vibrations that are connected with certain words. I don't get, I don't want to get all woo-woo on you, okay? I, I just want you just to file it in file 14 in the back of your mind and think about it sometimes. I'm under the impression, and I always have been for years, that the vibrations of certain words can affect physical reality. Not just because the Lord did it here. This is this is proof enough for me. And Genesis 1-1 is proof enough for me. The Word of God's proof enough for me. But and there are certain words in this book that can cause physical effect and and manifest itself in physical reality. Now folks, you're not gonna there probably you're not gonna get another true Bible-believing teacher to, to make that statement to you, okay? 
I've even, in programs gone by, I don't know how many of you remember them, I've taken you and shown you a place in the Scriptures that that's done, see. There's a verse of Scripture in the Old Testament, Just there's many of them, but I just gave one example before. We're speaking a verse, especially speaking the words in Hebrew, causes a physical effect on something in reality in the in the in the now and now. It's in Ezekiel chapter sixteen. Okay? And it has something to do with stopping the flow of blood. Now a, a lot of people think that that's just using the word of God for magic and stuff like that, but I can assure you that it works. I've saw it I've I've I've, I've seen it happen with my own eyes. I've had it performed on me by my uncle back years and years ago. Just just go ahead and turn to uh, Ezekiel 16. I'll show you guys where it's at, and you can take it or leave it. It's up to you, you know. I'm just going to show it to you. Ezekiel chapter 16, verse 16, Brother Chad. I want you to read it. Brother Kevin, do you remember when I, I brought this up before in programs a long time ago? Yeah, I did. Okay. I figured you did. And, and on on that, Brother Don, I, I was I was just it was causing me to think that when I was reading the Old Testament I was telling you about my grandmother's Bible that I have and it's a pronouncing Bible. Mm-hmm. And and through all those um seemingly long and tedious Torah um books where there's you're pronouncing name after name, if you pronounce them the way they're supposed to be pronounced you do notice that there that something does happen, and you don't know what it is, but there's there's something with the way it's actually pronounced. If you do pronounce it properly, Amen, Amen, brother. You're on, you're on you're on you're on the same page, absolutely, brother. Well, just uh, the word Jesus Christ alone in front of a demon, and you'll see you'll see what happens. But that's, uh, that's a manifestation of a word of two words that cause a something to happen in physical reality. And a lot of people say, oh, that's magic. Oh, that, no, no, it's not, because the Lord's the one that spoke the universe into existence through his words. So there's more to it than a lot of people think about. Now, okay, you stop and think, if if that's true, if that's true, then what if you mess with those words? You see now how important it is, why the Lord warns like he does about taking away and adding to and corrupting the Word of God. This book has life-changing power, people. It's not like a, a you know, hocus-pocus, dominocus, like the Catholics in their, in their mass turning, you know, a wafer and some, and some hooch into the body and blood of Christ. No, it's not, it's not, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm just telling you that there's more to this book than we than we're ever going to know this side of glory. So if you would, brother, go ahead and read uh, um, Ezekiel sixteen sixteen. Ezekiel sixteen sixteen. Mm-hmm. And of thy garments thou didst take, and deckest thy high places with divers colors, and playest the harlot thereupon. The, thi- the like things shall not come. Neither shall it be so. Now that, that I must give you a wrong reference. Maybe it's verse fifteen. What does verse fifteen say? 
but thou didst trust in thine own beauty and playest the harlot because of thy renown. Now, that's, now I'm going to have to pull out my old papyrus fragment here and look in it myself and pick, and pick it out. I swore it was Luke, um, Exodus 16, 16. It was all, said, did you say Exodus or Ezekiel? Ezekiel, Ezekiel. Ezekiel yeah. 16. Let me see here, my Ezekiel. I've got it. It's underlined in my Bible. I thought it was 16, where it talks about the blood. That's what it's talking It's talking about the blood. And I've had this verse quoted over a wound that I got, and I saw the wound heal in front of my very eyes. And that's the truth. Where and whether you anybody believes it or not is practically immaterial to me. I know it's true, and I, I bear no scars from it, from the wound whatsoever. It's. Uh, let me. I guess I'm going to have to go to the concordance. That's not the verse, and I cannot. Let's see. As I said, when I was in that blood, sixteen. Sixteen six, brother. I was I I was close. Verse okay. six, chapter sixteen, verse six. Okay. Sure. And when I passed by thee, and saw thee polluted, in thine own blood, I said unto thee, When thou wast in thy when when thou wast in thy blood, live. Yea, I said unto thee, When thou wast in thy blood, live. Okay. Now I'll tell you the story behind how it happened to me. I was in Rome, Georgia, working, uh, if anybody's familiar with construction work, I was a labor foreman, but I was overseeing the carpenters that were the form carpenters, and we were putting, my crew was putting, um, toting rebar, and I hope you folks know what I'm talking about. Anyway, it's steel. They were toting steel over to the footings, and we had the acetylene torches set up beside the footings, and and the and the man the the man was using the torch was down in the footings, burnt. With the measurements would be made, and then the, the the guy with the torch would cut cut the steel the steel rebar to the measurements, and we'd take them on and pull them on down in the footing, and then tie them off. That's the way you do before you pour concrete on. But anyway, what happened? was I was cutting up and not paying any attention, and I, and I kept my hand on the piece of rebar, and the guy had done the guy that was cutting the rebar did not see me do it, and he took that acetylene torch, and on my left hand, he cut the first three fingers with that acetylene torch on my left hand all the way to the bone, and you could see the bone with the torch. And my 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 cousin pulled my hand down in the down into the into the um to the footing beside where he where he was at, and he spoke these words over my hand. The pain immediately went away, and that wound healed within the next eight hours, and there was no sign of it the next day. Now, as God is my witness, I'm telling you the truth. I watched it happen. I asked him about it later. He would not tell me what he did. I did not know what he quoted, what he said. 
He just said that it had been passed down from generation to generation through our family on my mother's side. Now, that's the whole story. Nothing, and, and I was not a Christian. I was just a, you know, a young whippersnapper, 19 years old. But I'll never forget that. Later on in life, before Alden died, he told me what he did, and he told me where the verse of Scripture was. Brother Chad just read it to you. That's what he quoted, and he said it had been passed down from generation to generation. Why did it work? How did it work? Is it something, some spook? I don't know. I'm just telling you what happened. Now, y'all can take that with a grain of salt. You can throw it in file 13. You can do with it what you want to. But there's many, many more verses in the Scripture I've found out since then that perform physical acts in reality if they're spoken properly. Okay, that's enough of the woo-woo stuff, brother. Let's go back to uh, back to uh, John chapter 18. I just wanted to relate that to some of you new listeners and downloaders. Take, with it, take, take from it whatever you will. Okay, John chapter 18, verse 7. Then asked he them again, Whom seek ye? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus answered, I have told you that I am he. If therefore ye seek me, let these go their way. That the saying might be fulfilled, which he spake, of them which thou gavest me have I lost none. Then Simon Peter, having a sword, drew it and smote the high priest's servant and cut off his right ear. The servant's name was Malchus. Okay. Here, Peter's got a good heart. Peter means well. Peter's always running that mouth about what all he's going to do. Well, here he, he he puts a little action to some of his words. He told the Lord earlier he'd die for him. Well, here he's ready to fight. He is absolutely ready to get it on. And he cuts off Malchus's ear. But it's not time for the fighting yet. Not time yet. It's time for another miracle to take place. Go ahead, brother. John 18:11. Then said Jesus unto Peter, Put up thy sword into the sheath. The cup which my father hath given me, shall I not drink it? Then the band and the captain and officers of the Jews took Jesus and bound him. Okay, this cup, this cup that the Lord's talking about is the cup of what's the this cup is going to be all the pain, the sin, all the indignation, the sins that's ever been committed. Allegorically speaking or metaphorically speaking in this cup, he's going to have to drink it. And you and I and everyone under the sound of my voice and everyone that ever will be under the sound of my voice and everyone that's ever read this and every swinging soul that ever took a breath on this plane called earth, their guilt was in that cup. There's no way to expound that and articulate that to where it would... The Holy Spirit has to do that to drive that point home of how important that cup was. For if he hadn't drank that cup, you and I wouldn't be breathing air today probably. Continue on, brother. 
and led him away to Anas first, for he was father-in-law to Caiaphas, which was the high priest that same year. Now Caiaphas was he which gave counsel to the Jews that it was expedient that one man should die for the people. And Simon Peter followed Jesus, and so did another disciple. That disciple was known unto the high priest and went in with Jesus into the palace of the high priest. And John's talking about himself right there. That, that disciple whom Jesus loved, that's who he's referring to himself. Continue on, brother. But Peter stood at the door without, then went out that other disciple, which was known unto the high priest, and spake unto her that kept the door, and brought in Peter. Then saith the damsel that kept the door unto Peter, Art not thou also one of this man's disciples? He saith, I am not. Okay. Peter just got through willing out a sword ready to fight for the Lord in the garden. Just a little while earlier. And all of a sudden now we're seeing him turn on a dime. He saw the Lord didn't want to fight at that time. There's no telling what's running through his mind. He was ready to fight then, fight and die. And now he's in by the fire, warming himself by the fire, and all of a sudden there's a change of heart. No telling what's going through his mind. Folks, things like that go through our minds all the time. Our imaginations and our thoughts the battles we have to fight, not only on the outside, but on the inside. Now, a, lot of, a lot of people don't give that enough thought. Because sins of omission are sins, whichever any way you want to look at it. Everybody tries to put sin in a basket like it's murder, adultery, stealing, lying, cheating, stuff like that. But James puts it more poignant in chapter 4, verse 17. That's the verse that the lawyers don't like to deal with. They want to to put all their eggs in the basket where it says, sin is transgression of the law. Well, of course it is. It's the schoolmaster to show you you're a sinner to bring you to Christ. Duh. But when it comes to individual sin and keeping it taken care of and keeping it confessed and washing it daily with the water of the Word of God, that foot washing, that typology of the washing of the feet daily, which is a type of the Word of God washing us. We've been washed by the Word of God for fellowship with the relate with fellowship concerning our relationship with the Son and the Father. The sin is to him that knoweth to do good, and doeth it not. To him it is sin. Do you understand? Do you realize what that what I just said? To him that knoweth to do good, and doeth it not. To him it is sin. So, let's just stop there and park here for just a second. 
Do you think it's good to read the scriptures every day and never miss a day? Do you think it's good to do that? Do you think that's the right thing to do? Does the word of God over and over and over again tell us that's what we should do? Okay, it's right. If you don't do it, guess what? It's sin. To him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. You want me to just go on on down the list? On and on and on. See? Folks, there's a lot more to this. A lot more than what you hear out there amongst the heathens today, okay? To whom much is given, much is required. For some, it would be it would have been better if they didn't even know the truth about a lot of things. If they want to keep pumping their head full of knowledge and pumping their head full of it, and if they don't, if there's no intent and there's no heart condition to want to do and attempt to do the things that are right, they're going to be guilty of not doing what they should have done. Therefore, they'll pay the price. That's the reason this the whole thing is serious as a heart attack. I don't I, I don't even know what else to say. I, I'm a loss for words sometimes when I talk about this relationship thing with the Lord and our Christian walk individually, not corporately, individually. The corporate part shot to hell in a handbasket. The individuality part of it has not. There's always going to be a remnant. There's always going to be a remnant. So Peter knew to do good, started to do it one time, and the Lord stopped him. So he's changed horses in midstream now and warming himself by the fire, and, he, and denies he even knows him. He goes from wanting to fight for him and dying for him to not even reckon, not even admitting that he knows who the Lord is. A fulfillment of prophecy, sure. The Lord said he would deny him. And that's what he's doing. Continue on, brother. John eighteen eighteen. And the servants and officers stood there who had made a fire of coals, for it was cold. And they warmed themselves, and Peter stood with them and warmed himself. The high priest then asked Jesus of his disciples and of his doctrine. Jesus answered him, I spake openly to the world. I ever taught in the synagogue and in the temple, whither the Jews always resort, and in secret have I said nothing. You know, that's so true, and that's the way it should be to any Bible-believing preacher or teacher. There's no, there's, there shouldn't be anything secret, not hidden. There, there, there is no hidden doctrines. There's just doctrines that's not understood fully sometimes. But there's no secret stuff. All the apostles taught, Jesus taught openly, publicly. The apostles did the same thing, open, publicly. The early church fathers taught open and publicly. 
it was the Gnostics that started all the secret stuff with Simon Mangus and all that bunch. So, oh, this is a secret doctrine. No, there's nothing secret about about the truth, period. Continue on, brother. Verse 21. Why askest thou me? Ask them which heard me. What I have said unto them, behold, they know what I said. And when he had thus spoken, one of the officers which stood by struck Jesus with the palm of his hand, saying, Answerest thou the high priest so? Question. Jesus answered him, If I have spoken evil, bear witness of the evil. But if well, why smitest thou me? Now Annas had sent him bound unto Caiaphas, the high priest. And Simon Peter stood and warmed himself. They said therefore unto him, Art not thou also one of his disciples? He denied it and said, I am not. Perfect opportunity, Peter, to stand up and wield your sword now again. Nope. He denied him. He denied him. He sees that the Lord's not going to fight, so he ain't going to fight either. He see, he thinks that the, he says the Lord's going to be it's going to be a passive this year. Uh, he, he's he's going to follow suit. Sure did change his tune in a hurry. What he was willing to die about out in the garden, he's he's fixing to let a little damsel shoot him down. He's going to let a woman call his bluff. Continue, brother. Verse 26. One of the servants of the high priest, being his kinsman, whose ear Peter cut off, saith, Did not I see thee in the garden with him? Peter then denied again, and immediately the cock crew. Then led they Jesus from Caiaphas unto the hall of judgment, and it was early. And they themselves went not into the judgment hall, lest they should be defiled, but that they might eat the Passover. Pilate then went out unto them and said, What accusation bring ye against this man? They answered and said unto him, If he were not a malefactor, we would not have delivered him up unto thee. Then said Pilate unto them, Take ye him, and judge him according to your law. The Jews therefore said unto him, It is not lawful for us to put any man to death. That the saying of Jesus might be fulfilled, which he spake, signifying what death he should die. Then Pilate entered into the judgment hall again, and called Jesus and said unto him, Art thou the king of the Jews? Jesus answered him, Sayest thou this thing of thyself, or did others tell it thee of me? He never claimed to be king of the Jews, folks. Mm. Never did he claim to be king of the Jews. Everybody else tries to tell it, even today. They're still trying to tell you he was the king of the Jews. He never claimed to be king of the Jews. Never did. Continue, brother. Verse 35. Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Thine own nation and the chief priests have delivered thee unto me. What hast thou done? 
Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then would my servants fight that I should not be delivered to the Jews? But now is my kingdom not from hence. Oh, what a fantastic statement. And what so many people don't like to dwell on, especially of our persuasion. Number one, he, ta- he, he puts the Jews in a different category than himself. That I should be delivered to the Jews. He never, caught, like I mentioned earlier in programs past, he never, ever called the Jews his brethren. Never. Not one single time. I got into it. I didn't get into it. I just made the simple comment to one of my Judeo-Christian brothers. And I said, "You, he's a big, you know, oh, Israel this, Israel that. I said, will you please find me one place where the Lord called the Jews his brethren? Just one. Oh, well, you, you don't, Spears, you don't even know what you're talking about. He called them his brethren over and over again. I said, one place, brother, just once. Guess what? <laughs> Guess who had to eat crow? He couldn't find one. He says, oh, yeah, but by implication, this is what he means. I said, I didn't say anything by implication. I said, find me one place where he said that the Jews were his brethren. And you won't find it because it ain't there. Now, Jesus plainly makes this statement to all the kingdom builders out there. That his truth is marching on that godless Yankee song about killing white Southerners, the quote-unquote battle hymn of the Republic. I hate that song. I despise it. Harriet beat your stove. Blue gum loving heathen. Anyway, don't want to get off on that. My kingdom is not of this world. It's not, Lord. Where is it? Well, he told them in another place, the kingdom of God cometh not with observation, for the kingdom of God is in your heart. Paul plainly tells you in 1 Corinthians 15, the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. The kingdom of heaven is the literal, physical, visible kingdom with the Davidic throne, not the kingdom of God. They're not the same. Number one, they're spelled different. (laughs) Number two, they don't even add up to ever be the same. The only time both are present on this earth at the same time is when Jesus Christ is in his rightful place on this earth, then the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven are synonymous. Right now, there's nothing but the kingdom of God. If the kingdom of heaven were there, his servants would fight. And we will one day. There'll be a bunch that will. But his kingdom is not of this world. It's not of this earth. But it's coming. Read that verse again, verse 36, brother. Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then would my servants fight that I should not be delivered to the Jews? 
but now is my kingdom not from hence. Verse 37. Yeah. Pilate therefore said unto him, Art thou a king then? Jesus answered, Thou sayest that I am a king. To this end was I born, and for this cause came I into the world, that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone that is of the truth heareth my voice. Pilate saith unto him, What is truth? And when he had said this, he went out again unto the Jews and said unto them, I find in him no fault at all. Pilate did not want no part of this. This man did not want any part of killing the Lord Jesus Christ. This political state, this this thoroughbred politician here in verse 38 says, what is truth? With a politician, you can talk two different truths out of both sides of your mouth. He's a a full-fledged politician. And he asks that question, what is truth? Because one day it might be this to a politician, the next next day it might be something else. They're all wicked as hell. They're all out. They're all out to get something. Christian has no business getting involved in politics. We will not only will be, we be one day in the future will we be in we won't be involved in politics. We'll be ruling and reigning. We will, that passage in, in the book of Revelation where it talks about, where the Lord talks about his birth and he talks about himself and then he starts talking about somebody reigning with a rod of iron and he's not talking about himself, folks. I think it's in Revelation chapter 9 or chapter 6, I forget which chapter, but he, he switches gears. And it seemed, who in the world could he be talking about this person that's going to rule with a rod of iron? and He's talking about you and me. He's talking about ruling and reigning as kings over kingdoms. Know ye not, ye shall judge angels. Paul, just in a throwaway verse in Corinthians, tells the Corinthians, Know ye not, you shall judge the world. Do you find, can you fathom what I just said and what Paul said? Could, do, you, do you dwell on that? You're going, you and I are going to judge angels. We are going to judge the world. There's going to be people under us. All of the pain, all of the suffering, all of the trials and tribulations that we go through here in this three score and ten play a part in the character and play a part in the amount of inheritance and reward for the other side when we do come back with our bodies, but spiritual bodies, physical, literal body, but yet glorified body, and we rule over cities, some more than others. That's what I scream about all the time, talk about all the time. That's the important stuff. 
That's the important stuff. Real quick, brother, turn to Daniel chapter 7. Okay. I want to show you all something. Uh, I've showed you many, many times, but now that I brought up you, you, yeah, you, while you ruling as a king over cities, because it's not going to be the Constitution and democracy. It's not going to be the Magna Carta, okay? (laughs) It's going to be a monarchy. You know what verse, brothers? It'll be the last three, two verses in Daniel chapter 7. I'll start at the paragraph marker, Daniel seven twenty-six. That'll work. But the judgment shall sit, and they shall take away his dominion to consume and to destroy it unto the end. And the kingdom and dominion and the greatness of the kingdom under the whole heaven shall be given to the people of the saints of the Most High, all right, so now just what did what did Brother Chad just say? Read it again slow, brother. Watch the difference, folks. Watch what he says. Go ahead, brother. And the kingdom and dominion and the greatness of the kingdom under the whole heaven shall be given to the people of the saints of the Most High. Three different categories given to the people of the saints of the Most High. You see it, Brother Chad? Amen. Clear. Right, right staring everybody right there in the face. You're going to be over people that are in this kingdom with the Lord over us. That's, that's just as plain as day. I said it the other night, said it a few nights ago, said it a week or two ago, and a week before that, and a few programs before that, and I'm going to say it again tonight because it's that important. If you live your life each day with the judgment seat of Christ in mind, you'll find ways to get some things straightened up and straightened out. I assure you. If it if it's real to you, see, there's no in a crowd, especially with all the downloaders. There's in the crowd there there's certain bunch that don't have a clue that could care less. But there's also some that do care. That's the ones I'm concerned with. That's the ones my heart loves. That's the ones I am interested in. But if you live, if you get up tomorrow morning, and while you're drinking that first cup of coffee, if you drink coffee, or whatever you do when you first get up, you think about your day, and you lay it out in in light of the judgment seat of Christ, you'll do some things differently, because see, it's a second by second. Minute by minute, hour by hour, day by day battle. Because there is adversaries that do not want you or I to have any part whatsoever in our future with our king. 
Because that's just wickedness hates to see somebody that's not wicked prosper. That's how wicked the adversary is. See, you may thought may run through your mind. Why do they care what I get? Why do they care about my war? Because they're evil. The epitome of wickedness. The principalities and powers, the rulers of the darkness of this world, spiritual wickedness in high places. And folks, I'll bring it down further than that. I'll put it down in the now and flesh, flesh and blood now and now. There's even people that don't want to see good a good person prosper. They get glee and happiness out of seeing pain of others. And do you realize in this society we live in, it's getting to be more and more and more people like that? Do you realize if you fill your eyeballs and your ears on a continuous basis with pain and suffering of others, you will get jaded? See, on the outside, you might not think it's affecting you. But down in your heart, it will work. It will destroy your compassion. It will destroy that little, whatever that canal is that goes to your tear ducts that brings on true emotion. It will jade you. That's why Brother Don hates it and knows about the things of this world. Folks, I got to almost got to that point years ago in my Christian life when I was at a point to where I thought I had all the answers and oh I I could I was strong enough I could deal with this I could deal folks I found the Lord gave me a rude awakening and it can happen to you but no you're probably strong you're I know I know you got your act together you can handle it. You're tough. True wickedness hates goodness. And that's just the way it is. You're going to find that out shortly. The people that were saying, Hosanna in the highest, are going to say, Crucify him, crucify him. Oh, how the heart is fickle. And old Pilate, he don't want no part of this. He don't want no part of killing this just man. But political expediency dictates that he he does it. Even though he washes his hands and says he has no part in his death, he's he's still, he's known, been known for, for millennia now as the one that crucified Jesus that was part of the crucifixion of Christ when in all reality it was the Jews that killed him and that's according to the Apostle Paul continue on unless you want to add something Brother Chad and by the way Brother Chad when you're reading with me if you've got anything you want to add Brother you feel more than free to do it you hear me okay I will do do you want me to continue from Daniel seven twenty seven? No, that's good enough. What you read a while ago, brother. Just go go okay. back 
go back over here to uh, to John. Um, okay, so John 18, verse 39. But ye have a custom that I should release unto you one at the Passover. Will ye therefore that I release unto you the king of the Jews? Then cried they all again, saying, Not this man, but Barabbas. Now, Barabbas was a robber. They wanted to turn loose Barabbas. And Barabbas, you can just imagine. This old murderer and robber, he knew he was, well, he knew he should get what it was coming to him. And because of the fickleness of the people, he's going to get released. Next chapter, brother. John chapter 19, verse 1. Then Pilate therefore took Jesus and scourged him. And the soldiers plaited a crown of thorns and put it on his head, and they put on him a purple robe and said, Hail, King of the Jews. And they smote him with their hands. Pilate therefore went forth again and saith unto them, Behold, I bring him forth to you, that ye may know that I find no fault in him. As a Pilate done seem to be scourged and beat, hoping in the back of his mind that they would they would have a streak of compassion and they would all want to let him go. That's what Pilate's hoping for. That's not what happens, but that's what Pilate's hoping for. Continue on, brother. Verse 5. Then came Jesus forth, wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe. And Pilate saith unto them, Behold the man. When the chief priests, therefore, and officers saw him, they cried out, saying, Crucify him, crucify him. Pilate saith unto them, Take ye him, and crucify him, for I find no fault in him. Crucifying the creator of the universe, and the man openly says, the ruler, supposed ruler of the people, I find no fault in him. What a contradiction. What a contradiction. And to turn loose a robber and murderer instead of the prince of peace, the king of glory. Wow. This this story has been told and retold and told and retold and things added and and people expounding expository sermons on all this stuff coming down through here. And, folks, you have to understand, though it was a very bad death, though it was it was horrible for God manifest in the flesh to be treated like this, don't never forget this had to be. And he, he knew that it had to be. So well, the reason I'm saying that is to say this. In the roughest trials and tribulations we go through, nothing happens to us 
Nothing happens to the chosen of God by chance. Not one solitary thing. I don't care if it's death in a family, sickness, divorce, debt, pain, suffering. Nothing happens to God's elect by chance because the Father knows what happens in the end. He knows what it's all for. It's all for purpose and reason. And like Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 1, Beloved, think it not strange concerning those fiery trials which is to try you as though some strange thing happened unto you. But rejoice inasmuch as ye are partakers of Christ's suffering. In other words, it should be a joyous thing because as ye are partakers of his suffering, you also are partakers in his glorification. A thousand years from now, you won't remember the pain that you went through yesterday or last night or last week or this past year or through most of your life. I don't know about every one of you's personal cases, But compared to eternity, 70 years is nothing. I'm always talking about it because you, you very seldom ever hear anybody else bring it down to such a, a minute, poignant description. After the last breath here and the first breath on the other side, the whole shooting max changes. See, you see now, you understand why everything is centered around the resurrection? Why that resurrection is so important? 500 witnesses, why it's so, that, that it's the central theme of the gospel. That, re, that stone rolled away, such a glorious thing. Because if that stone wasn't rolled away, every pain and your suffering and your and your tribulations and your misfortunes and whatever is, is all for naught, folks. It's absolutely all for naught. Nothing makes any sense. And just like I said the other night and done got flack about saying it, I'm going to say it again. So send some more flack if you want to, folks. The people know who I'm talking about. If the resurrection's not true and the gospel is not true, you might as well just get drunk, get high, stay high, stay drunk the rest of your life, blow your brains out with drugs and alcohol because there's nothing else. What, pray tell me, why would should you worry about somebody else or why should you worry about tomorrow if there's nothing to it why should you give tomorrow or a good deed a second thought if the resurrection be not true you see am I is that plain brother Chad absolutely 
Turn to 1 Corinthians 15. Let me show you what Paul said about it. I think I'm just, just making this stuff up myself. Let's see. Paul didn't get quite as graphic as I just got, but he, if you, you can read between the lines and understand that he meant exactly what he said, just like I mean exactly what I'm saying. Okay, I'm there. Okay, just start reading around. Let me let me go over there myself too, because it's further down in the chapter uh, uh, where Paul says about the resurrection. Let's see. Just start reading it down by by this. See, by the grace of God. What, well, Fifteen or sixteen. Start reading it verse at the paragraph mark at verse twelve. Okay. Now, if Christ be preached that he rose from the dead. How say some among you that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there be no resurrection of the dead, then is Christ not risen? And if Christ not be risen, then is our preaching vain, and your faith is also vain. Yea, and we are found false witnesses of God because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ, whom he raised not up, if so be that the dead rise not. For if the dead rise not, then is Christ, then is not Christ raised. And if Christ be not raised, your faith is vain. Ye are yet in your sins. Then they also which are fallen asleep in Christ are perished. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. There you go. There you go. In other words, if it, if if Christianity is just a, a religion like all the rest of them are, religion, folks, is for people in the now and now. That's the reason I keep telling you that Christianity is not a religion. It was the first name, it was called the way. Okay? And then Antioch is the first place we were called Christians. The gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ is the fundamental point of every solitary thing we teach. Everything rests on it. And like Paul said, if Christ be not risen, we're of all men most miserable. And if you're miserable, get unmiserable. Eat, drink, and be merry if it's not true. But if it is true, act like it. Live like it. Reach and grab a hold of the promises that go along with it. You don't plan your life. You don't plan the the Lord's work. You don't plan um, your service for the one you're supposed to love around the world. You plan your worldly activities and everything around who you're supposed to love the most. Because it shows right off the bat who is the most important in your life. I've said this before, and, and I'm, I, it just popped in my head again. There used to be a, a bless his heart. He died a few years ago. A good friend of mine. He was a 
the deacon at Bible Baptist Church in Pensacola, Florida, one of the deacons. And at the end, every spring, you know, when IRS time, the tax time, come come around and, and want to give give you a W-2 form or whatever they call it. I don't even keep up with it because I ain't paid a stinking dime since 77. I'm here. I am telling on myself. But anyway, tried to give me a show so I could use this for my tax break. And I'd look at him and I'd laugh at him. And I'd say, boy, what are you doing? I want nothing back from the IRS because I gave to the Lord. That's ridiculous. And he he couldn't get it. He he couldn't ever understand what I thought, what what I meant when I said that. Folks, when you give, you give it's to the Lord, but it's multiple for your benefit. If you believe everything the book says, see, it all comes back to belief in what the book says. If you sow sparingly, you reap sparingly. Period. <laughs> but that just popped in my mind, thinking about that, having to do with the resurrection, because everything centers around the resurrection. The ones that don't believe, they don't obey the rest of the book. Goes along with what, what brother Chad, with what I, what I've been saying so many times about how it's easy to just listen to people, how they talk. You can figure them out easily by just what they say. Amen. By their fruit. And let me, and let me I'm gonna, and I, I think was I, I don't know if it was you I mentioned this to. Might have been brother Sergio. Me and brother Sergio talked the other night for about three hours. Had a wonderful time of fellowship. He's in Vancouver, by the way, and. Um, and uh, I was telling him, and I've told Brother Kevin this before, too. Uh, Brother Kevin, I think, gets it now. I don't think he understood about years ago when I first mentioned it. But there's two. There's only two things I got to know about you to own you. And I say that reverently. I don't speak it out of malice of forethought, folks. There's only two things I, there's only two things I got to know about you to know everything about you I need to know. I want you to listen to me close because what I'm fixing to tell you is infallible. I said what I'm fixing to tell you is infallible. It's all throughout the Scripture. It's just in different words. But I'm going to break it down to where a third grader can get it. I can know everything I need to know about you to control you if I wanted to. By what you love and what you fear. If I know what a man loves and I know what a man fears, I got the man. I'm going to say it again. If I know what you love, truly love, and I know what you fear, truly fear, I got you. I got the man. Because you can bend anybody's will. And the Lord and the devil knows this just as well as old dumb country bumpkin brother Don knows it. That's why the commandments are in the scriptures like they are about what you are supposed to love and what you are supposed to fear. So if I can find out 
if I can just listen to you talk and I find out what you love, and then I'll use, and then I find out what you, I got you. I, I got you. Anybody's got you. That's how simple it is. Don't you think the government knows this? Don't you think that your adversaries know this? Now, do you understand how important it is that your love and your fear be in the right place? Don't need no psychology degree. All you got to know is what a man loves and what he fears. And you got the man. Every single time. You get that, Brother Chad? Amen, brother. If you love the Lord Jesus Christ and, and our Father in Heaven more than anything on this planet, then you fear no man, and they have nothing. Right. You got it, brother. If you fear man, you do not fear God. If you fear God, you do not fear man. That's what the Bible says. Period. And if you love the Lord Jesus Christ with all your heart, mind, body, and soul, then that can't nobody do. Then you will do what you're supposed to do. It's not complicated, folks. If somebody wants to control you, hey, if they know you love the Lord Jesus Christ, they'll attack the Lord Jesus Christ if they want to control you. They'll attack what you love. If they know you love money, they'll buy you with money. They'll affect you with the pocketbook. It happens to everybody out there in the Christian world, folks, that love mammon more than the master. And if you fear what men think about you and what maybe your reputation might be tarnished because some people don't necessarily believe what you believe, and you're worried about that, they got you again. All you got to know about a man's two things, to own the man, folks, what he truly loves and what he truly fears. And that's a very, that's a fact that's been known since Genesis chapter 3. Continue on, brother. Amen, brother. And if I might just interject a little bit there. Um... Sure, you go right ahead, brother. You've taught this before, and I've, t- and I've taken it to heart, and Marina and I have, have discussed it, um, to be able to pray for that moment that, that someone makes you make that choice. Mm-hmm. You know, like we've, we've actually discussed that, so, you know, if, if there's a gun to my head or if there's a gun to your head and that person says, renounce Jesus Christ, what, you know, and, and I pray on it all the time. Amen. To have the words right there and the, the, the conviction in the heart to say, I choose the Lord Jesus Christ. Absolutely. Amen. You know, so be it. And that remind me of, of uh, and I can't quote the scripture, but there's there's that one parable of, of Christ when he's um, he's calling the the fellow to follow him, and he says, well, I just want to, you know, I just want to turn around and say, say bye to my brethren. You know the one? Yes, of course. And he said, let the dead bury the dead. Yeah. Yeah. Susie, Susie turns around to say, just just give me a moment so I can say yeah, just, just let me do so-and-so, and then I'll come follow you. And Christ said, if you do that, you have no part with me. Amen. That's That was my point, brother. Amen, brother. Good stuff. Good stuff. And folks, see, this stuff is so simple. It's too simple. See, 
It's too simple. You want it to be hard to understand where, oh, well, I've got to figure this out, this deep. There's nothing deep, dark doctrine about anything that I've just said. Nothing whatsoever. It's to, it's so simple, you wished it was hard. <laughs> flesh is flesh, folks. We all have that trouble. And like I said the other night, and Brother Chad just talking about that decision of dying for the Lord. Peter was willing to die for him. But yet, when he saw he wasn't going to get to die for him, Peter backed out because he was then he was going to have to live for him. A lot of times it's a lot tougher to live for the Lord in that day-to-day, mundane, do what's right today, do what's right tomorrow, do what's right the next five minutes, It's a lot tougher sometimes to do that than it is to take a quick bullet to be absent from the body and present with the Lord. Think about that as well. Okay, brother, let's go back to uh, to John. Okay, John chapter 19, verse 7. This is to Pilate. The Jews answered him, We have a law, and by our law he ought to die, because he made himself the Son of God. When Pilate therefore heard that saying, he was the more afraid and went again into the judgment hall and saith unto Jesus, Whence art thou? But Jesus gave him no answer. Then saith Pilate unto him, Speakest thou not unto me? Knowest thou not that I have the power to crucify thee and have power to release thee? Jesus answered, Thou couldst have no power at all against me, except it were given thee from above. Therefore, he that delivered me unto thee hath the greater sin. Absolutely, them Jews, they got the greater sin. And, it, and they got the big time sin. Paul says they both kill the Lord Jesus and are contrary to all men. And that's a fact. That it was a fact when Paul said it, and it's a fact today. And folks, listen, there's something that Jesus says right here that is also I want to make comment on in the first part of verse 11. And it's true. It's, it's just as true as true can be. Because you have no clue. When we talk about the... I wish I could make the unseen realm as real to you as it is is to me. I wish I could. I I, I can't. I'm not good enough. The the Lord don't take my words and use them like he should, I don't guess. But it's my fault. It's, It's my shortcomings. But when it says here that you have no power at all, against me, except it were given thee from above. Folks, that goes not just for the Lord Jesus Christ. That goes for every one of his true elect saints. You can't die till it's time for you to die. You just, it just won't happen. God's plan for you will not be thwarted. So, for God's sake, why do so many people worry about it? I don't care. They, I, 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 hey, look, I've been called crazy, wild, you know, 
extremist. I don't give a rip what people say. Do you think with my life, just you few folks that know about it, you think I've lived a careful life? (laughs) 38 automobile accidents, 28 surgeries, shot three times, stabbed once. You want me to keep on going? You think that's a a careful life? (laughs) You will, either the Lord will take care of you or he won't. There is no in-between. If you're his, he will take care of you or he won't. And when it's time for you to go, you're out of here. But if it ain't time for you to go, you're not out of here. If God be for us, who can be against us? And see, that just brings up all types of theological questions. The just shall live by faith. And without faith, it's impossible to please him. Continue on, brother. John nineteen twelve. And from thenceforth, Pilate sought to release him. But the Jews cried out, saying, If thou let this man go, thou art not Caesar's friend. Whosoever maketh himself a king speaketh against Caesar. When Pilate therefore heard that saying, he brought Jesus forth and sat down in the judgment seat in a place that is called the pavement, but in the Hebrew, Gabbatha. And it was the preparation of the Passover and about the sixth hour. And he saith unto the Jews, Behold, your king. But they cried out, Away with him! Away with him! Crucify him! Pilate saith unto them, Shall I crucify your king? The chief priests answered, We have no king but Caesar. Yep, yep. They have no king but Caesar. And in 70 AD, they <laughs> got destroyed. Amen. They absolutely got destroyed. Their blood, his blood be upon us. Later on, they're going to say, there his blood be upon us and upon our children. And guess what, folks? It has been ever since. And it'll continue to be till every Canaanite is wiped out completely. And there will be no more Canaanite in the house of the Lord forever. That's the last verse in the book of Zechariah. We've read it before. You remember it, don't you, Brother Chad? Members are going uh, through the Zechariah, the last verse. Yep. There'll be no more Canaanite in the house of the Lord forever. That'll be it. What time is it, Brother Kevin? 830. 8.30. 8.30. We'll go ahead and stop here for tonight. Any questions in the chat room? Brother, Brother Chad, your voice sounds like somebody that would read professionally. I want really, brother. You sound like somebody that reads the Bible for on on a tape recording. <laughs> I, I was thinking the same thing. <laughs> Absolutely, brother. You're a natural. <laughs> Amen. Thank you, brother. Thank you. 
I mean, I, I'm not just I'm not just pumping you up. I mean every word of it. Because if you if you wasn't, I tell you you wasn't. Okay. <laughs> well, praise be to God, the Holy Spirit. Like, um, was it is the word, and I have spent a little time with that Scorby fellow. So. <laughs> yeah, Amen, brother. And that's who I thought of when you first started was because Alexander Scorby. That's that was my man. My <laughs> goodness, I I I. I, I just wore out so many cassette tapes listening to Alexander Scorby. It's pitiful. Question of that, uh, Brother Don, because uh, in my pronouncing Bible, amen is always pronounced amen with the, with the line above the A. And I know Scorby always pronounces it amen. Is, do you have a thought on that? What's your thought? Um, it, to me, it's no big deal. Amen, mm-hmm. amen, whatever. He's an Englishman, brother. Well, in, in my Bible, it, it it's pronouncing has it, so I was like, I, I thought it was always amen. Yeah, it is. It okay. Is, it is amen, brother. That's what I thought. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Any questions, Brother Kevin, in the chat room? No, sir. Okay. All right. And, um, folks, I'm going to say this, too. This is totally off topic, but I'm going to say it anyway. And the one it's intended for will get it right off the bat. The people that I have on the program, I have a bad habit. And I'm always apologizing for this because of the way I am about this. But you guys have been with me for a long time, the majority of you anyway. I don't know who all is in the chat room now. And, And there's a certain amount of growth that I expect for you to have and so far the ones that I'm talking about have shown that growth and the way I am and the way a lot of the people are that I talk with they they're to the point to where that don't matter who's talking they they pick out a lie and they pick out they can eat the meat and spit out the bones now, I'm bad about that. I can listen to anybody. I can listen to the the most flaming liberal, the, mo- the most hater of the King James Bible, uh, the most heretical junk. I can listen to it and listen for something there may be. I know I don't expect everybody to be able to do that, okay? But I can do that, and I can eat the meat. If there's any meat there, eat it and spit the bones out. In other words, Somebody's got some flaky ideas about something, but yet they're right on one thing. I want to hear what they're right about, and the rest can just go to hell. I can care less what else they got to say. I'll fluff them off. Matter of fact, if I if I got them around me, I may have something to say to them about it. So when I have somebody, if I have somebody on this program, and I I could talk, well, I'm not going to say that, but if I have somebody on the program that I don't agree with everything they say which I probably won't. Don't worry about it. This is what I do agree with is the reason I'm having them on. In other words, I've got an ulterior motive on the back burner. I've got, I do a lot of stuff like that. It's not being deceiving, it's just the way I am. There's always a plan B with me. So usually 99% of the time, there's a plan B in the background, and I've got something. I, I've got something else that uh, that I'm that I'm wanting to slide in without the other person knowing. You know, being like Paul told the Corinthians, being crafty, I caught you with guile. 
see. And so and you ought to knew that I had a scripture and and and, and was going to back it up with the word of God by now. But that that's just that's why. And um, as far as what was said, it was one hundred percent right in everything, and I agreed with every solitary thing you said. Everything was spot on, and I was praising God, praising God for everything that was said. But that's the reason, and I hope I answered your question. And if I didn't, like some of you folks don't have a clue what I'm talking about, but the ones that need to understand do. Um, that's the reason. Yes, there is a, a plan B. And it might not even go through with a plan A, you know, because like I said, I agreed with you 100%. I thought you were spot on. And that was that doll that just you show spiritual maturity on your part and uh, a love for the Lord Jesus Christ in his book, and I appreciate it very much. Okay, if there's no questions, then uh, Brother Kevin, if you would, dismiss us in a word of prayer. And, folks, we will be back, Lord willing and health permitting, tomorrow night, and we will pick up where we left off, or we may just take and have a good time and take a different topic tomorrow night. And brother Shad, from now on, you're on standby, brother. You done, you done sold yourself. You, you're good, brother, and I appreciate it. Anytime, my man. <laughs> and don't be a stranger, brother. You pick up that phone anytime you want to and give me a call, okay? Sure will. Amen, brother. Brother Kevin, go ahead and dismiss in a word of prayer, brother. Dear Lord, thank you for tonight's teaching and your word. Please bless everybody in the chat room and those that download later. Thank you for Brother Chad tonight. It was definitely appreciated. Thank you, Lord. And uh, in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 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 Thanks a lot, Brother Chad. Blessing, brother. Would you like me to give your information? Do what, brother? Your information? No, that's okay. And if, oh, you, if anybody's really interested in it, they got about 400 other programs they can hear it on. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> yeah, but anyway, um, you and sister have a good night's rest tonight, brother, and we'll see y'all tomorrow night, Lord willing. Thank you, brother. Good, good night, night, brother. Good night to each and every one of you in the chat room. I love you guys. Keep me in your prayers. I appreciate it very much. Brother Kevin, good job. Lord willing, we'll see you guys tomorrow night. Good night, Brother Chad. Good night, all.